0: This is the Science Show on RN, where we often hear about the flash techniques being used to get youngsters to try STEM, amusing robots, TikTok nano tricks, and such like. Just the kind of baits Deputy Vice-Chancellor Martin Nakata at James Cook University says aren't working. Why, he asks, spend millions of dollars on gimmicks that don't work, when what students need most is the real science, and he and his colleagues have been tracking what's required for 12 years. Going north of Townsville and looking at the
1: educational standards, achievements, what's the story? In North Queensland, in far North Queensland, we have quite a number of indigenous students in the school system, several communities way up to almost the border of of Papua New Guinea, and the kids are mostly studying in English, doing the best they can. And achieving what? Their work at at the moment in the schools are really great in getting the kids through their schooling years. They're not doing so well in the math and science areas, uh, which we've been tasked with to try and help, and we're hoping to make a contribution that enables them to gain the right capacity so they can further their chances in uh, university studies.
0: And any idea why they're not doing well in maths and science?
1: Yeah, look, we've been used to... In Australia, a whole lot of approaches to STEM education that largely draws from a lot of the US activities around STEM, and this involves a whole lot of stuff about making science and math more relevant to kids, bringing in practical projects they could work on and build, and uh, things like robots, they get to learn a whole lot of, to do with coding and so on. But a lot of that work over the last couple of decades have shown that there are no real measure their contribution to the academic performance of those kids in the math and science series. So this is more like, I think you've called it the, the
0: showbiz ingredient, is not really what's relevant for them to succeed
1: in the real stuff. Yeah, I mean, there was a study out of Harvard recently and Maryland University that shows that what's popular with kids, with all the fun stuff to do with STEM, don't really actually get the grades. What got the grades was teachers who were actually teaching hard math and science.
0: But you know, the, you need to attract their attention. <laughs> you need to say, this is the fun bit, and now now
1: the hard work, and they come together, don't they? Or does the fun bit really distract? That largely comes from a deficit kind of a position of thinking about the kids not interested in science... Science, in the way it's taught, could be made much more interesting and in a lot of ways, not just through projects. And this starts from a very early years. If we stick to the kinds of the science and language of maths and science, then it's a quite more accessible, some of the engagements in later years and therefore you can overcome a whole lot of that position about they're not interested in science. But if you don't engage them in the early, early years, it appears that they come to the later years as not interested in science and math, and that's why we have to do the kind of the make-up around making science and mathematics more entertaining. Indeed, yes. Well, sir, I think it brings a bell of
0: trying to do the real stuff and you know you're not doing the second choice And the example of this being done was David Blair, what is he's doing at the moment over in the West, and that is to have primary schools know about Einstein's series of relativity. Now, it seems ridiculous. Now, I'm reminded to some extent of what happened in Hope Vale, the school, mainly indigenous school, where they put on the musical of equals mc squared which told the story of how that equation came together the scientists involved and also the concepts Mm -hmm. you know the idea the real science how it came together and how human beings work to make science and mathematics
1: relevant yeah and once you can hook them into a more meaningful kind of environment where they can understand those concepts and those abstractions and those theories then you can actually uh, develop uh, learning engagements that are much more fulfilling for them. What needs to happen after those programs is to ask the question, well, does this actually have an effect on their performance in the way that they engage the classrooms tomorrow? So what does it amount to that joyous activity in relation to their furthering their capacities for tomorrow's lessons? And they're the kind of questions that I ask about some of the activities that we're involved in, often to find there's no real thinking about tomorrow. It's really about engaging them today. And the good teachers obviously do this, but there's no real kind of tracking of whether that performance continues through the following week, through the following term, and following uh, semester, and so on. And often it looks like a great project and great entertainment by all, and that's quite a novel way of doing things, but often when you look at the academic record, they're not necessarily there in places like E equals MC squared and it's um, I'm hoping that they've done that and I'm hoping it's had a real positive effect on their work and that teachers were able to build upon that to engage them in the next level of physics and maths and so on. Has your own study and intervention had obvious effects in recent times? Yes, well, look, we've been trying to track some of the work that we've been doing with them in some of the remote communities and our early results there, very early results, but we can see performance over three consecutive years where the lift on particularly maths is evident. we still yet to test the data on that, but we're quietly confident that it is actually making a positive contribution. What about your own background? Do you come from northern Queensland? Yeah, I was born and raised in the islands of the Torres Strait and I did all my schooling there, started in the convent school where my mother was now 96, where she was sent when she was early in her years. And I proceeded through the state system after that and did all my schooling on Thursday Island.
0: Wow. And I th- seem to remember you are the first PhD or Deputy Vice-Chancellor from the island.
1: Both. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I was the first Torres Strait Islander to gain a PhD in Australia and probably the only islander still at the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Higher Education Sector. What was your PhD in? It was looking at Western knowledge productions, of how this happens over the last century and a half, about how you inscribe people of difference, i.e. Indigenous people, into a Western order of things. And how do you do that and reconstitute them as a people of difference without any agency in our own history? Trying to understand how this happened in history was a way to try and understand the transaction of knowledge in classrooms. So, how do you bring content to the classroom that's already prescribed with its own history and context, then communicate it to people who are outside of those historical contexts? So, in doing that, what are the kind of processes of communication and coherence that students can learn by or or develop knowledge around? But in my study, I was able to show these ways of constructing, Indigenous presence in history disadvantages Indigenous people because it has no bearing on their in a historic trajectory. And we're just the element of the other in the Western narratives. And that's a very important position to understand because that's inherently where misunderstanding in a curriculum actually occurs.
0: Yes, it seems to me that uh, you could well have that applied in the rest
1: of Australia as well. Yes, I think ours was a microcosm for that kind of teachings about how we're actually engaging and not engaging kids in the classroom and where are we communicating, where we're miscommunicating, uh, where we're hitting the mark, where we're not hitting the mark because these are the kinds of questions that we hoped for the profession to ask more questions about before we start patronising the idea that you can just drop in cultural curriculum into the the Indigenous classroom and somehow they're going to be able to, to achieve the kind of competencies we need in maths and science. That's a pretty uh, interesting kind of proposition, yet if we all do that. In proposition that cultural relevant curriculum has more bearing on their learning outcome, uh, I'm still yet to see the results on that. And inherently, it propositions the idea that children can't learn things outside of their own histories.
0: Deputy Vice-Chancellor Martin Nakata at James Cook University in Townsville.